kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We don't talk a lot about fantasy football on the show. We don't actually do much of it at all. I don't know that we've talked about it this year. Some shows will bring on like a fantasy football expert, give out some advice, take questions. And that's not a bad thing, but my show's only two hours long. So if we're talking about the Brewers and the Bucks and the Packers, there's not a whole lot of time left over. Typically, some days are slower, but it's not like I have time. Like, hey, this hour every week, we're going to do fantasy football. Today, I spent like the last hour and a half just getting ready. I have a draft tonight. And this year, I told myself, I think like everybody always tells himself, I'm going to do research. I'm going to read a draft guide. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take notes. I've been saying that for the last three weeks, and I fit all of my prep into like the last hour and a half. My draft's at 7.30 tonight. So I prepped all of my show until like 3 p.m., and then at 3, I did fantasy. So now I have to switch my brain back into Brewers mode. Yep, we're starting with the Brewers. I can tell you usage rates and snap counts for J.D. McKissick and projections for Najee Harris. Uh... But now I need to switch my brain back into back into Brewers mode. I have a draft tonight, so maybe I'll just ask you when the draft order comes out what you think. Maybe we'll crowdsource it. I'll take your advice. That can be my draft research. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Not much fantasy talk today. A lot on the Brewers. A lot on the Packers after they finalized their first 53-man roster yesterday. It will no doubt change. So even for players that made it and they're like, yes, I'm on the roster, well... If Brian Gutekunst likes another player more than you, you can still get cut. But it's a nice story for today, and we have that initial 53 to look at. Some interesting decisions now that we've had a little bit of time to look at it. I actually want to talk about the decision to cut J.K. Scott, because I think it's deeper than he just uh, sucks. I think there's something else at play listening to Matt LaFleur. And I want to talk about that, have some fun with that. Hear from Brian Gutekunst just a tiny little bit today because if Brian Gutekunst has a presser and it's 20 minutes long, there's probably about a minute and a half that's worth checking out, and the rest of it is just rambling, filibustering, just, you know, posing for the cameras and talking to the reporters. GMs never really give you anything interesting, unless it's Urban Meyer, who gets out there and is like, yeah, we cut guys because they weren't vaccinated. You're not, you're not supposed to say that, Urban. Everybody knows that, but you're not supposed to say it. So with the exception of Urban Meyer... Most GM or coach press conferences are pretty boring. Brian Gutekunst is very boring. But there was one thing that he said today that I found at least entertaining. I don't know that it pertains to football, but I found it entertaining. So we'll do that. Mike Clemens will join us at 5.30. He normally joins us on Thursday, but 99% chance we're not going to have a show tomorrow because the Brewers play at 2.45. So if that game is rained out, maybe we do a little thing while we're waiting for the Brewers to come back on. Maybe, probably not, but... 99% 99% chance, unless the game is called in the morning, we're not going to have a show tomorrow. So we will talk to Mike today, which is just fine because we can talk about the 53-man roster and what Gutekunst and LaFleur and everybody had to say today. So Mike Clements will join us at 535. You can join me whenever, 608-796-2558. Talk and text line. You can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant on Twitter as well. Brewers won last night, and I did not make it until the end of the game. I made it until... The end of the seventh, when did Jake Cousins clear an inning? Let me look at the breakdown here. Yep, so Jake Cousins cleared the seventh, and then I'm like, all right, oh, cool. 
and I don't remember anything else. And then I woke up, and it was like 1.30, and my TV was flashing, and my jaw hurt. I think I fell asleep with like, I think I was biting a couch cushion or something. I woke up. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, do I have to go on air? What is, this show? is the show starting? No. It's 1 a.m. So I didn't see the two Brent Suter innings. I didn't see the eighth of the ninth. My bad. But I saw everything else. Uh, I didn't miss any of the scoring, I don't think. Uh, or did the Giants? Oh, the Giants got one in the ninth. Sorry, I missed that run. Did that completely change the way we feel about the Brewers? I don't, I don't think so. I'm assuming no. So I saw 90% of the game last night. I want to start with that. The Brewers won 6-2. Yesterday's show, we talked a little bit about the Brewers, but yesterday's show was such a mad dash, right? We had all of these topics to get to, all of these players to talk about, and I think we passed over a lot of really good little nuggets, conversations, and, and topics because, yeah, Corbin Burns was great. Wow, what a great game. Maybe he's the Cy Young. Oh, but David Bakhtiari is on the pup list. We got to talk about that and what that means, the physically unable to perform list, right? Like, oh my gosh, they cut... J.K. Scott, he's gone, uh, but Cam Newton got cut. I'd rather talk about that. That's more interesting. So I think in the mad dash of yesterday's show, we missed out on all these little interesting things, and I want to revisit a couple of those things today. Yesterday's show was like a, a lush forest, the Redwoods or, or the Northwoods, the Brule State Forest, one of my favorite places in Wisconsin. Lots of trees. There's a lot going on. And I think yesterday, with all of the trees, with everything that's going on, we didn't have time to appreciate the individual trees, right? Do you know the expression, you're missing the forest for the trees? I think yesterday we did the opposite. We missed the trees for the forest. And a tree that I think we passed by yesterday, I mentioned it really quickly. And after the show, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Maybe we'll have time to talk about that tomorrow. Something that we passed quickly by yesterday was the Brewers' mindset. How they're speaking in press conferences. I think the organizational focus What's on the mind of the players and Craig Council and David Stearns? And and brought this up really briefly yesterday, and then we moved on. And I was thinking about that last night when I watched the game. And and to be honest, look, last night's game wasn't all that interesting. The Brewers scored in the first, the second, the third, and the fourth. The runs came in lots of different ways from lots of different players. Brandon Woodruff was excellent. We've seen last night's game a dozen times over throughout the course of the season. But I was watching last night's game and listening to the postgame press conferences with a different idea in mind, the mindset of the Brewers. And this is something I've noticed all the way back since the trade deadline, really. This team is not afraid to talk about October. This team isn't afraid to talk about the playoffs. This team isn't afraid to look ahead, right? And think back to David Stearns after they traded for Eduardo Escobar, and they got a couple of relievers too, but those relievers might not even be on the playoff roster. We're talking about Curtis And um, Norris, Curtis is out for the rest of the year. Norris, I think, is more of a filler piece. The real gem of the trade deadline was Eduardo Escobar. And it was an addition that the Brewers really didn't need. Now, you'll always take another great bat, but it's not like they needed him. And after that trade was made, David Stearns got up on the podium. He was in his presser. He talked about redundancies. Remember this? I talked about it obnoxiously. I would imagine you remember. He's like, we want redundancies. We want to be ready for anything when the playoffs roll around, when October rolls around. We want an extra great bat. We want an extra corner infielder. We want someone who brings extra experience. We want surplus. We want extra, right? Excess. Americans live for excess. We always reference the other guys. All right, nine minutes in, we've already referenced that movie, David Urshan, right? Excess. Americans love excess. David Stearns, with this Brewers team, loves redundancies, excess. Wanted Eduardo Escobar. Did we need him? Probably not, but we wanted him because we're thinking about October. That much has been clear ever since the trade deadline. Craig Council said much of the same. He's like, hey, look, best teams in baseball 
They have lots of options. And when you look at the playoff game, you think, oh my gosh, how is that guy in the dugout? How's he not playing? Oh, they have that many good bats, right? So Stearns and Council both all the way back to the trade deadline, which is not even close to the end of the season. There's a lot of game and a lot of season left to be played. And even Craig Council and David Stearns are like, all right, we're thinking about the postseason. Now, two nights ago, Craig Council and Corbin Burns both spoke after the game and talked about this game as a potential playoff preview. Remember this? Let's start with Corbin Burns. This is what he said. Corbin, it, it looked like on both sides, a lot of tense at bats, both your hitters, your, you know, you, you facing their hitters. It's, I mean, you guys have only played them four times, but they've been really good games, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, they played us tough in, in Milwaukee. Um, and we were a little shorthanded with our, with our bullpen that series. So, um, you know, obviously it was good to come out and get a, you know, get a win the game one tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely a, you know, playoff atmosphere and something that, you know, could be for, you know, foreshadowing what we might see in the, in the postseason. Foreshadowing. So we're always thinking about the postseason. The Brewers technically haven't clinched yet right now. You look at the percentages, the odds are like 99% in divisions, 99%. But in a normal season, we'd be talking, what's their magic number, right? How many games do they have to win this year? We're way past that. We're thinking about playoff rosters. We're thinking like a contending team and the Brewers are talking like a contending team. And it's a little thing. It's not something that jumps out to you if you're not listening for it. But last night, heard it again from Brandon Woodruff talking about much of the same. Like, hey, this is a fun team right now. It's fun to play baseball right now. And maybe we see this team again in October. I think we're kind of in the mode now. It's it's uh, it's getting into September now. And, you know, this is, this is when we... We don't need to slack up. We need to start playing good baseball, and I think we're getting off on the right foot. And anytime you come in here and play the Giants, man, they're they're such a, a tough team to beat. And I mean, you see it right there. Even late in the game, they try to put they they try to put some pressure on you. And even though we had a six to one lead, and yeah, I mean, just a, a a a really good baseball team. And hopefully, we see these guys later in in October. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see them again in October in the postseason later on down the line. This team is thinking like an October team. If you want to win in October, you need to think like a team that wins in October. From top down, from David Stearns to Craig Council to the players, and something that this Brewers team has done so well the last couple of years, and national media, people talk about this all the time. If you watch baseball tonight, or you watch Quick Pitch or whatever, a lot of people say big picture about the Brewers. Why they're successful is because David Stearns, Craig Council, all the way down to the last player on the roster, they're all pulling in the same direction. They're on the same page. And earlier this season, I don't think that was the case. We talked about that, right? David Stearns built this team through run prevention and small ball, but Craig Council was playing for the beginning, and it didn't really work. And then they got the roster balanced out, and everything was in harmony again. And not, you know, since then, the Brewers have done nothing but win. They're all pulling in the same direction. They're all talking about it. They're thinking about it. They're visualizing it. They're breathing it. They're living it, right? This team is not in denial about their situation. They're not going, oh, shucks, you know, I know we got a lead, but we got to take care of business and... You know, Lord willing, if we're able to get into the playoffs, if this holds up, we're just happy to be there. No, 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 no. They're way past that. They're thinking like a contending team. And I think sometimes the Packers think like an August team or a September team, not a January team. Maybe. Maybe I'm just anti-Packers these days, so maybe I'm reaching on that. But I do think the Brewers are thinking down the line. We need to, we need to stash extra bats, extra players. Packers, maybe not so much at times. This Brewers team is cocky. And to be honest, after last night... Watching Burns and then watching Woodruff and listening to them both talk, I don't think anybody on this Brewers team respects anyone other than the Dodgers in the National League. I- I'm honest. You hear what Woody said after the game? I know we just heard him talk about October. 
Brandon Woodruff talked about this Giants team and what it means to play them, and he throws this tiny little comment in there that because he's got a Southern draw and he's such a nice guy, might not jump out to you, but he makes this little comment about the Giants record that stuck in my ear. That's the whole name of the game is is get ahead one, get to your spots, and just try to get some and do some weak contact. And was able to work out a couple jams there, and you know we had a good game plan coming in with with Omar and was able to execute it for the most part. And it was just a, a great team win. Coming in here and winning, winning the first two is is huge against uh, um, essentially the best team in baseball ah. with the best record. So oh. uh, two two great team wins. Is, oh. That's awesome. Okay, so that might not jump out to you, but think about everything we've talked about all the way back to the deadline. Playoffs, redundancies, depth, options, win in October, rematch with this team, see them again. I hear that, and I hear Brandon Woodruff go, you know, these guys are a good team, the best team in baseball or whatever. They have the best record, I guess. They're not scared of the Giants. Now, what happens when Brett Anderson pitches tonight or whoever's pitching game four? I haven't even looked ahead. That, that's secondary. But the last two nights, the Brewers have rolled out their best two starting pitchers, and they've kind of laid their you-know-what's out on the table for everyone to see. And this go ahead and hit us. And the Giants have scored three runs in two games. And Woodruff, even in his nice southern charming, delivery, nice, aw shucks guy. He's like, well, yeah, they have the best record, but who gives a damn? Do you think Brandon Woodruff is scared of Alex Dickerson or Wilmer Flores? Like, I get Buster Posey is an all-time great player, and he has been for over a decade now. But Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and even Jake Cousins have dog-walked him for three straight games. He has five strikeouts in these first two games. And I like Chris Bryant, and I like Crawford, but man... The Brewers came into the series having Burns and Woody going game one and game two, and they said, all right, here we are. This is what we're made of. We, we went through starting pitching, and our offense since whatever date it's been in June, we've been great. We've been scoring four or five runs a game. Go ahead. Let's see what you got. And that's what the Giants rolled out? That? that? Three runs in two games? Here we are. Hit us. Beat us. You know the kind of game we play, and the Giants haven't even been close. Now, Brett Anderson is pitching tonight. Brett Anderson will either play amazing, which furthers the point that I'm making, or he will suck, and it doesn't matter because it's Brett Anderson, and he's not going to sniff the mound in a postseason scenario anyways. I, and I tweeted about this earlier today at Wisco Grant. I don't think the Brewers respect the Giants. I don't think they're scared of anyone in the NL. I don't think they really respect anyone on their level except for maybe the Dodgers. Sure, San Fran has Yastrzemski and Belt and Crawford. That's great. I would rather have... Adamas, Avi Garcia, Escobar, Yelich, Wong, so on and so forth. San Fran's rotation is led by Kevin Guzman, Anthony DiScalfani. Anthony DiScalfani's never won double-digit games in his life. And I know that wins aren't everything, but like at some point, maybe have a 10-11 win season. No. By the way, San Fran is clinging to a half-game lead in their division on September 1st after this amazing year that they've had. Oh, we're starting the month of September. By the way, the month in Craig Council is 52 and 29 over the last three years, including last year's team, which wasn't even that good. Spurs team ain't scared of the Giants. They're like, I mean, I guess they have the best record, but so did the Ravens in the NFL. So did the Bucks in the NBA. That doesn't always mean that you're the scary good team in the postseason. I'm not saying the Giants aren't any good. I'm saying that Brewers fans, it's time to think like a fan of a really, really good team. It's time to think a little cocky because the Brewers are doing it. And if you start obsessing over, oh, well, we got to take care of business in the regular season. Oh, we got to make sure we handle. No, business is taken care of. The Reds aren't coming back. The Brewers are winning their division. They might just end with the best record in baseball or in the National League. It's time to start thinking like an October team. The Brewers have done it. I got to do a better job of it as well. Because I'm listening to these press They're not scared of the friggin' Giants. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Oh, Brandon Belt. Yastrzemski. 
Those are the guys we're supposed to be terrified of. The Brewers rolled out their two best starters. Giants aren't even going to see Freddie Peralta. They didn't even have to use Williams or Hayter last night. Just rolled over the Giants for two straight games. And I know that they had their issues with the rotation and with COVID, but they manipulated the roster to get Cueto a start last night only so the Brewers could slap him around for three and two-thirds. And at some point last night, B.A. and The Rock were like, or I, I don't think The Rock was doing the game. It was the other guy, and I apologize. I don't know his name. They're like, it would be nice to not have to use Williams or Hayter. And I thought, oh, the Giants, they're good enough. They'll at least force the Brewers to go to some, one of the two. No, nope, not even. <laughs> now, what happens with Brett Anderson tonight? We'll see. But do you get what I'm saying? Brewers are feeling cocky. And honestly, I think they have the right to feel cocky. They've been doing this for a couple of years now. Now they have the offense. Now they have the starting pitching. The bullpen's there. The manager is there. It's time. It's time. We're not worried about the little details, the division anymore. We're worried about October. And they've been showing us that and telling us that for months. You just got to listen. Let's take a break. I want to talk about one part of this team that I don't understand. I feel like I have a good handle on this entire team and all the players on it, except for one little detail. Maybe you can help me out. We can BS about that coming up next. I want to get into the Packers and the Vikings. Coming up at 435, Mike Clements will join us at 530. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Today's show will be kind of a fun experiment. I never drink coffee during the show. Normally drink it in the morning or in the afternoon. I, I'm not normally sipping coffee during the show. I have a fat cup of cold brew next to me. I'm interested to see how this goes. This is either going to take me to the next level or I'm going to fall apart and become a jittery mess. It'll be fun to see what happens. Get some good data collection for uh, for future shows. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh, I did not know the name of who's doing color on Valley Sports Wisconsin last night. It was Chris Singleton, at least according to Jeremy and Scotty, who I trust. Like anybody who tweets me info during the show, I'm just going to believe you. I want to see Sophia Menert get in the booth do some color before the end of the year. And she's so good at what she does. Like, what she does for the broadcast is super instrumental. Like, and she kills it. I think it'd be fun to have her in the booth. Let her do some color for a game. I would enjoy that. Give her a crack. One game. Why not? Send Craig Gashon or Tim Diller down on the field. It'd be funny. Just flip-flop rolls. You have 162 of these games. You have space to have fun with it. I mean, I do one of these shows every day. It's like my entire job. And I'm messing around and seeing what happens by slamming really strong coffee. Interested to see how this goes. 608 796 the talking text line. John. Uh, John, this isn't relevant. I will get back to you. That's on a different that you want to know about high school football. I will get back to you over the commercial break. Mitch says, J.K. Scott always looks so incredibly cold during the games, like he was always freezing. We're going to talk more about J.K. Scott in the second half of the show. He was a terrible punter. He's very inconsistent, especially given that he was drafted, period, let alone in the fifth round. I think there was another reason he got cut. And yes, this is me speculating based on a tiny portion of a press conference, something that I really enjoy doing, if you can't tell. Um, Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but it's fun to talk about. I think there was another reason they cut J.K. Scott, and Matt LaFleur said it without saying it the other day. Right now, we're talking about the Brewers. They won last night 6-2. We've seen that version of this Brewers team dozens of times this year. Starting, pitching is dominant, offense shows up. The Brewers scored runs in each of the first four innings, two in the first, one in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth. A little bit of home run power from Lorenzo Cain. We like that. Willie Adamas hit an opposite field shot that would have been a home run at just about every ballpark in the league. Maybe target field. I know target field has a pretty high wall in right field as well. 
God, this ballpark just holds baseballs, which for the Brewers the last two nights has actually been pretty good because Woodruff and Burns get a little bit of extra help. Like Burns uh, the other night took a couple guys to the track. Woodruff got taken to the wall to start the game last night by Lamont Wade Jr. He hung a curveball. And other than that, I mean, they had no offense for huge stretches, huge portions of that game. The game last night was nothing unique. We don't need to break it down and talk about what the Brewers did well. Like, we've seen that game dozens of times. This Brewers team is cocky. Saying, yeah, we're getting ready for October. We're excited for October. Maybe we see this team in October. We made this move to get ready for October. They're ready. They're not afraid of anyone. I don't think they respect the Giants. I think they respect the Dodgers in the NL, and that's it. I'm going to be cocky here to make a point, and then I'm going to explain also how I'm dumb. So I'm going, to, I'm going to say something to say something else. So bear with me. The Brewers have played 133 games so far. They're 81 and 52. I have probably seen or listened to all or some of 115 to 120 of them. I normally don't watch games on Friday night unless I got something going on or I have nothing going on. So give or take Friday nights and sometimes Saturdays. But every weeknight I'm watching at least most of it always some of it. Sunday is normally the whole game. So let's say 115 out of 133 games I have seen. A little more, a little less. Who knows? I feel like I have a really good feel for this team, the players, Craig Council. There's not much about this team that catches me off guard. Like if there's an error that's made or the Brewers slip up and lose a game late, like oftentimes I'll watch and be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Happens in baseball. Like nothing is blowing me over. Nothing is freaking me out about this team. I feel like I've, I've seen enough of this team to understand it. Suter comes in, has a bad out, and gets hit. Yep, all right, got it. Avi Garcia has a bad week where he has some ugly at-bats. Yep, we've, we've seen that. Makes sense. Those things will happen. Billy McKinney was a rock star in April, and then he fell off big time. And I saw that, I'm like, yep, that's not surprising. That'll happen during the ebb and flow of a really long baseball season. There's one part of this team that I can't wrap my mind around, and it's Jace Peterson. I'm stumped. I don't know what to do with this guy. Over the course of a baseball season, there will be guys, Billy McKinney, great example, who will come in, they'll have a great two weeks, they'll help a team out when someone's hurt, or they'll get hot and they'll make a difference, and then they kind of fade into irrelevancy, or they're DFA'd, or they're traded, or whatever. Jace Peterson was a meme last year and earlier this year. Like, if Jace Peterson was in the lineup, you're just like, oh, God, oh, sucks. He sucks, right? Best case scenario is he takes a walk. And he had a good month earlier this year. He was hitting like 400, 500 through certain stretches. And I thought, okay, perfect. We'll ride out this month. We'll squeeze these grapes for all they're worth. And then we'll move on. Brewers get healthier or somebody else will slide in and take Chase Peterson's place. But he won't stop. These are his last 20 at-bats. And it's been a great week and it was a good weekend for Chase Peterson. His last 20 at-bats, last seven games. Ready? Three runs, seven hits, two doubles. Two RBIs and six walks. Like, he's either getting hits right now or he's getting walks. He'll strike out here and there, but he's always working the count. And when he gets on base, he can swipe a bag or two. Yeah, he got thrown out the other night, I know. But I think that was the situation in which they were okay with him getting thrown out. I I think when the Brewers steal bases, they'll put a guy in motion with the understanding that, okay, if he makes it, great. If not, It'll end the inning and we'll start the next inning in a pretty advantageous spot in the lineup. I think they're pretty smart about when they send guys. And when they send guys, they're like, well, either way, this isn't a bad outcome. He's either moving into scoring position, moving to third. And if not, if he's getting thrown out, then we can start the next inning with a favorable hitter at the plate, whether it's Garcia or Yelich or whatever. You get my point. Jace Peterson walks. He steals bases. He has great defensive uh, defensive versatility. 
He was playing third the other night and then moved to first. He can play in the outfield, too. Not that they need extra outfielders, but night to night, who knows, especially when COVID's a possibility and that can hit a team, especially hit a position group. Jace Peterson is a winning player, which is something that I said as a joke three or four weeks ago, kind of sarcastically like, oh, Jace Peterson, he's a winning player. But I didn't think he would keep doing this. I thought he was a winning player for like six days. And he keeps doing this. And am I drunk? Am I just wired on this coffee that I have today? Or would this dude make the postseason roster if the postseason started today? With the injuries they have to Tyrone Taylor and Eduardo Escobar, he's certainly on there. But, I mean, right now, are you putting Jackie Bradley Jr. on a playoff roster instead of Jace Peterson? I'm not. Lorenzo Cain is healthy. Hit a home run last night. I, Man, Jace Peterson just won't quit. He won't quit. He's a winning player, and I can't believe I'm saying that in the year 2021. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, Big Joe. Appreciate the tweet. How are you doing? Hope you've had a nice day. Jamie at Ken's Barbershop on the north side. See, Jamie, you, brilliant. He, he says that he was cut for a specific reason. I'll go ahead and say why. J.K. Scott didn't drink water for their preseason game, and he cramped up and he couldn't punt in a preseason game. And that's what Jamie texts in. He says, absolutely, he was cut because he was not professional enough to stay hydrated. Imagine being a 25-year-old professional football player and not drinking enough water. Like, and not getting vaccinated. Okay, you have personal, you know, personal reasons. You have religious reasons. Oh, okay. You know, we're all trying to get on the same page with COVID, but if you're skeptical of getting vaccinated, right? I, okay, I can understand that, right? If you have a nagging knee injury. Okay, I can understand that. You don't drink water? Buy a friggin' water bottle. Like, this isn't hard. Yeah, I think they cut J.K. Scott because he sucked and because he wasn't smart enough to just drink enough water last weekend. And I think that's hilarious. We'll talk more about that in the second hour of the show. Mike Clements will join us. I don't know if Mike Clements has any J.K. Scott content ready to go, but we'll talk more about that in the second half of the show. Very apt uh, observation, Jamie. Thank you for the text. I got to get a haircut, too, so you might be uh, hearing from me before too long. Not, Not a crazy haircut, but just a nice trim. You know, a little trim here, a little trim on the back of the neck. My, my neck grows very quickly. It's, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Anyways, you'll be hearing from me, Barbara, Jamie. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Packers, specifically about the Packers division, specifically the Vikings, because they got some bad news with Herb Smith Jr. today. And I'm, like Jace Peterson, I don't know that I understand what's up with the Vikings right now. We'll try to piece through it coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had a wonderful day. All you Clem heads, you diehard Mike Clemens fans, set your alarm. He'll join us in an hour. Talk about some of the Packers' cuts and the storylines. From the initial 53, we also know who's on the practice squad. Equinemia St. Brown, Kirk Benkert made it on. I'm not quite sure who else. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't pour over the roster for the practice squad today. It's my bad. I didn't do my due diligence, and I will admit that to you. I don't know who's on the rest of the squad. But Mike does. And if he deems necessary, necessary, he will bring it up at 5.30 when we talk with him. We've been talking a little bit about the Brewers. We will get back into them at 5 o'clock. So if you're just joining us now and you're like, damn, oh, Brewers, I want to talk with them. Well, we'll get there in a few minutes at 5 o'clock. Kind of reiterate what we've been talking about. This team's cocky, and I love it. They're thinking like a World Series team. They're thinking about October. 
Yes, they need to beat the Reds, but they know they're better than the Reds. They know they're better than the rest of the division. They know they're, they're going to win the division, okay? They're up 10 games. Why mess around wasting time thinking about it? Let's think about October. And if you listen to press conferences, you will hear it. If you listen to them talk about October, if you all the way back to the trade deadline when they got Eduardo Escobar, everything has been geared toward the postseason. And I love that they're not being shy about that, that they're just coming out and saying it and they're getting in the right mindset because mindset is, is everything. I took one sports psychology class in college and therefore I'm an expert on it. And it's a very important part of sports. Trust me. I know. It really did the readings really closely. I was an A-plus student in that class. I think I probably got a B-minus or a C. 608-796-2558. Appreciate everybody who has joined in and had a comment so far. Jason Breacher, what's up? Mitch in Madison, Brett in Lacrosse, Jamie at Ken's Barbershop. He's, he's not mincing words about J.K. Scott, and you shouldn't, Jamie. I appreciate that. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I really need this Packers season to start. I need real games. X's and O's. I need concrete topics and all this coaching decision and this this boneheaded play call and clock management. Terrible. Officiating. Ah, I need that. Because the big picture stuff is really tough with the Packers right now. Because we're doing the same thing now for the third straight year. It's the same story. It's the same lead into the season. Like if, if there was a magazine to preview this Packers season and it had a headline. Like, this is how we sum up this season going into it. This is, this is the, the big picture takeaway going into the season. It'd be the same for the last three years, right? I guess three years ago, maybe with a new coach, it's a little different. But certainly for the last two, the magazine would say something like, ready to take the next step, question mark? Or like, is this the year, question mark? Or get, it, get over the hump, question mark? Like, can we get past the NFC Championship game? Can they finally kick down the door? That's what we're wondering. It's the same as last year. This is nothing new. We've done this before. So I'm kind of out of things to say until we have actual games to talk about, which is very close, right? We will week after next. It'll be great. And I suppose if we're previewing the season or predicting the season in any way, there was a couple of ways that we could go about it. There's a few different topics we could use, all reliables to do this sort of thing. We could win-loss the whole schedule. It's like Let's just go through all the games. Oh, they'll win this one. They'll lose this one. Oh, they'll go probably 10 and 6. Maybe if they're really good, 11 and 5, right? That's always what we say. Although now there are 17 games, so it would be 11 and 6, maybe 12 and 5, right? That's, that's basically what everyone predicts. I don't really want to win last of the whole schedule because we'll be picking games that are played three, four months from now. And that's not, eh, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about the now. I want to talk about what matters right now and win lasting the whole schedule, not really my thing. We could do over-unders. We could look at, different sports books and look at the odds for how many games the Packers were supposed to win. Oh, that's ridiculous. I would bet the over. I would bet the under. By the way, right now, the Packers over is set cleanly at 10, juiced a little bit to the over. It's minus 165 to go over 10. So they're predicting a little bit leaning the over. I think they'll win more than 10 games, especially because I don't think the Packers division is all that great. And that's actually how I want to talk about the Packers. I want to preview the Packers season by looking at the circumstances surrounding the Packers, which is the NFC North. Today, I did a little bit of studying, a little bit of research for my fantasy football draft, which is tonight. And I'm not going to tell you about my fantasy team, but one thing that I did was I looked at secondary rankings. And I was looking at Pro Football Focus and a couple of other data-centric you know, rankings of the best secondaries in football. Which divisions have the best corners and safeties? Because if I can find a division that has really bad corners, really bad safeties, maybe I want to take wide receivers in that division, right? So, like, do I want to draft 
uh, DK Metcalf for the Seahawks. Well, let's look at what the circumstances are like on the Seahawks, but let's also look at the teams that the Seahawks are going to play six games out of their 17-game slate. How's the secondary look for San Fran and the Rams and the Cardinals? Because a lot of the games that DK Metcalf will be playing, he'll be lining up against those teams. So I'm looking at the circumstances around those wide receivers. I'm not saying it's a worthwhile strategy. It's just it's just something that I did. And that's what I want to do with this team too, right? I want to look at the Lions. I want to look at the Bears. And I especially want to look at the Vikings. Let's start with the Bears. I'm not quite sure. I think the Bears could be a sticky team. That's the word I'm going to use. DraftKings has them over under set at seven and a half. Which way is it tilted? Hold on. Let me look here. Panthers, Ravens, Bears. Uh... So they're over under seven and a half, and it's minus money to go under. So that would tell you that, like, if you want to make money, you have to go a little bit a little bit out on a limb. You're going to be rewarded with the plus 105 by betting over seven and a half. So DraftKings has seven and a half probably going under. I, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that. That's just what the odds say. I don't think the Bears roster this year is as good as it was the year before or the year before, but I think Justin Fields could potentially be such a force multiplier that it doesn't matter, right? If their weapons are good enough with Darnell Mooney and Komet and David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, their weapons are good enough to help out Justin Fields and to make his life easier. I think Fields is going to provide enough juice to this team where, yeah, the secondary isn't as good, but Justin Fields will be a force multiplier. The O-line might not be great. It hasn't been great before, but Justin Fields will make that difference, right? He will elevate the team, not just through his play, but the energy that he brings. I think this locker room is just jacked to have him. And I think that could make a really big difference. I don't know if I'd bet over under seven and a half or whatever over under. I think the Bears could be a sticky team, and I don't think they're going to get blown out or look completely outclassed in a lot of games. Why not talk to Jeff and Lacrosse, who's one of our resident Bears fans? Jeff, did you think anything I said about your team is is unfair? Does that seem fair to you? No, no. But I, I I'll give you a piece of advice that I take back all the way years ago because I've been distance running for years. Mm-hmm. One one mile at a time, one game at a time, a few minutes at a time. Um, this whole I look at this whole thing. I think this whole season's a crapshoot for the NFC North because mm-hmm. there's so many unknowns. You know, is Rogers going to be what he was last year? What about the Vikings? You know, who knows about Detroit? I think we the Bears and Packers both have. I believe third and fourth hardest schedules in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you look at the percentages from last year, if that means anything, I think it, it I think means you something. Really yeah, take it a week at a time. Yeah, I and that's why, like some of these over unders, it's like the Packers at ten and the Bears at seven and a half. I don't have a strong feeling on any of these. Right, Vegas typically turns out to be, if not exactly correct, at least pretty darn close. I just think, even though the Bears roster might not be as good, I think that team is so happy to have Justin Fields that they like all raise their level of play just a little bit. And I know that's not quantifiable by like a stat or like, oh, yards per game. You can tell Justin Fields making a huge difference. No, it might just be something in the personality of the team and in the chemistry of the team. I think all of these players are so excited to have a guy who's not Trubisky or Foles that that raises up everyone. And even if the roster isn't as good, I I still think the Bears could be pretty good. I think they could be sticky for that reason. I think they could be a problem in every game that they play. Yeah, and I I agree with you. And with, with a gun to my head, I think ten for the Packers is about right, but yeah. who knows? Who knows what? You know, like I said, who knows one injury here or there, and it, it can all change. Um, if Dalton plays decently, that means they won't see Fields for a while. That would be a good thing. What I'd hate to see is 
the Bears fall behind against the Rams and they panic and throw Fields in there and get them beaten to death. I just don't know what our offensive line is going to look like this year. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's a huge one, more so than who's going to cover because if if you can't move the ball, you're if you can't move the ball and score points, you're in real trouble here. Yeah, and I don't. The Bears roster doesn't pop like it has the last couple of years. I think they've had a slow leak of guys who have left, and I think the roster is still very good, which is why now you have Justin Fields, who's cheap. If he turns out to be really good right away, you can put a team around him and, and build and go. I just I think of the Bears personality-wise. Sure, the roster isn't perfect, but I, I think they're just amped to have him, and I think everybody's going to feed off of that. So you, you're you okay with Dalton to start the season? That's what I'm hearing. I think you must be in the minority as a Bears fan. Well, I'm I'm thinking common sense wise. Okay. Um, like you're dealing with a rookie who's still learning how to read defenses, etc., who's never really called plays, mm-hmm. and you've got somebody with experience. Dalton may not be flashy, but he can get the job done. If I were the Bears and I were game planning, I'd look at Montgomery and the other running backs. Cohen is on is out for a while. He's on the pup list as i read yesterday so it's going to be uh pearson i'm trying to think of the other one i can't remember him but i'd run the ball i'd keep away i'd play keep away from matt stafford who they've played before if i had to play the rams i'd rather play them early than late because i think they're going to be a tough tough team this year talent wise yeah the rams have a lot of talent so that's what i would do and i'd go with the experienced guy and maybe i'm nuts and everybody you know you throw fields in there, what happens if, you know, he gets beaten to death by that inexperienced line and of a good defense? Yeah, I think you're in the minority. I think a lot of people want to see Justin Fields right away, and it's good to hear a different perspective. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for the call. Well, thank you for taking my call, and have a, have a good one, and I appreciate your show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of it. That's Jeff in lacrosse. Yeah, Jeff might be in the minority for Bears fans. So you're talking about running backs. We have Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, Damian Williams, um, and then, of course, um, Tariq Cohen, who's on the pup list, very similarly to to David Montgomery. And thank you, because I forgot about that. There's two schools of thought about Justin Fields and how soon he should play. A lot of people are like, well, the offensive line is bad, so you want the mobile quarterback. Yes. Yes and no. I I suppose there's pros and cons to that way of thinking. If your offensive line stinks, I don't know if I want to ask Justin Fields to get behind it and run around. Just because he can run doesn't mean he should, right? Because Justin Fields is more so than any other rookie quarterback who is drafted. He's a guy who holds on to the ball. Justin Fields is probably going to be more of a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers type where he's looking for the big play and holding on to the ball. He held on to the ball a lot in the preseason. He made plays, but that can sometimes lead to more sacks, lead to more pressures, which lead to negative yardage plays, which can lead to turnovers. So I understand that Justin Fields is more mobile and it might be tempting to use him because of the bad offensive line, but maybe it's even more to the detriment of Justin Fields, at least right away, to be behind a sieve of an O-line. I'm not sure. Jeff, I wanted to get to the Bears while we had you on the phone. I do want to talk about the Vikings. Let's do that coming up next because I don't know what's up with the Vikings. They lost Irv Smith, assumedly for the year today, with a meniscus injury, or they announced that it's a serious meniscus injury. I don't know where the Vikings are. I'm not saying they're going to be garbage. I'm not saying they're going to be amazing. I don't know what the Vikings will be, and I'm not sure that the Vikings know what direction they're headed either, and I want to talk about that. First, an update from Mike Clemens. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
a.m. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers made several moves to reach the 53-man roster limit. They waived running back Dexter Williams and receiver Aquanemia St. Brown. They placed tight end Jay Sternberger on the reserve suspension list. And left tackle David Bakhtiari will begin on the PUP, rehabbing a torn ACL. I think safety is the most important thing. I don't think anyone in the training room, I don't think Doc would ever let me go out there if it was a safety issue. If I'm at 100% playing, but I'm at a 60% safety, that's an issue. Backup left tackle Yash Nyman made the roster. Packers GM Brian Goodekinst. I think Yash has done a good job. I think he's gotten better each year. A lot of credit to him for his work ethic and kind of patience and, and, and resilience. Um, I think he's playing his best football right now. And you know, Obviously, he's got a lot of physical traits that, that we look for. But a lot of left tackle the last two games, which is, has been really good to see. And I thought he's had a nice, nice uh, training camp. And the Packers made a trade, sending a six-round pick to the Rams for punter Corey Bayorquez. They've released punter J.K. Scott. After three years in Green Bay, the Packers now looking to use defensive back Eric Stokes, center Josh Myers, and right guard Royce Newman, all in key roles at the start of the season. Is Matt LaFleur comfortable starting those rookies? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, you look at some of the guys that are positioning themselves for, if not starting roles, but for significant playing time. Yeah, we absolutely 100% expect a lot of those guys to be major contributors on this football team this year. Best Packers coverage. Mike Clemens, Clemheads, you diehard fans of Mike Clemens' slice of home delivery and storytelling ability, he will join us at 5.30. Talk more about the decisions the Packers have made. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line 608-796-2558. We're just BSing about the NFC North a little bit because sometimes if you want to preview a team, you should look at what's going on around the team, right? That makes sense. It's my show. I get to make the rules. So I'm preparing for my fantasy draft tonight. Wide receivers. Well, do I want to draft DK Metcalf? What do the secondaries in DK Metcalf's division look like? Huh? I'm sure I'm the only one in the world who's ever considered that, right? No one ever, I'm sure, in their millions of fantasy leagues has ever considered to maybe do that. Right, look at the surrounding teams. Look at the the, the common opponents. Look at who is going to make up a big portion of one team's schedule. We talked about the Bears a little bit. I think the Bears could be sticky, even if their roster isn't as amazing as it has been in years past. I think Justin Fields is a force multiplier. So everybody plays a little extra pep in their step, plays a little bit more inspired, and I think they're a rejuvenated sticky, extra, uber-competitive team, and they might even play better than their roster allows. Or maybe Andy Dalton starts most of the year and they're the classic Bears run the ball, play defense. I I don't know. I'm just, it's just conjecture. With the Vikings, I'm not really sure. Because on one hand, their roster has some talent. On defense, I like Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith and Hendricks and Barr and Tomlinson and Richardson. I like Cam Dantzler. I, I think he's far from a known commodity, which I think we maybe we got over our skis a little bit with Cam Dantzler. Offensively, I love Justin Jefferson and Thielen and Cook and Madison. I even like Tyler Conklin to a certain degree. But is all that enough, right? Can that win them the North? Forget a Super Bowl. Can that win them the division? Because the last two years, they haven't been close. Because they just paid Harrison Smith, but they also drafted Kellen Mond. And Anthony Barr is hurt. And now Irv Smith is going to miss this entire season. Mike Zimmer was asked about this today. It was like, does it feel like you've been putting out fires week after week for the last, you know, for training camp this year? Mike, do you feel like in the last month you've just put, been putting out one fire after another and dealing with I think I think it's been eight years. Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been, uh, seems like 
the book is going to be a good book when I write it. <laughs> From kidney stones to eyes to Adrian, to, and there's a lot that you guys don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to go get all my notes. But you know what? It's like that probably every place. Everybody has their has their uh, trials and tribulations, I guess. I hate the Vikings as a rival. I love Mike Zimmer. I want to go ice fishing with Mike Zimmer. I just want to listen to him tell stories and maybe throw in a, a dip. I don't dip. I don't do chewing tobacco. But if I was with Mike Zimmer, when in Rome, I'd throw one in. I'd throw in a hammer. The Vikings are such an interesting case study because they're a team that's good, not great. And if everything goes well, I think they can contend for the division and maybe win a playoff game. But they're also a team that's probably just as close to wanting to rebuild and start over. But that's not how the NFL works, right? In baseball, great example. If you're not amazing, you're going to sell and you're going to start over. Look at the Cubs. Cubs had a really good roster, a lot of good bats. And they're like, well, we're not going to win the division. We're not going to make the playoffs. Why do we need Chris Bryant? Why do we need Javi Baez? Why do we need Rizzo? Just trade him. Which to some fans, it's like, well, because we love those guys. Because we like this team. And they might be good next year, the year after. But in baseball, it's like, well, if you're not there now, trade them. Let's start over. The NFL isn't like that. If you have a chance, you're going for it. And I think the Vikings have a chance, even if it's not a great one. They're not all in. They're not going full rebuild. I just, I don't know with the Vikings. I think the range of outcomes with them is wide. But I don't think either outcome is them going you know, so poorly winning, you know, winning so many games where they can make a Super Bowl. And I don't think the worst end of the spectrum is them being able to draft their next quarterback. They're caught in this middle ground and maybe that's the worst place to be. And when you're the middle ground in baseball, like the Cubs were, a lot of teams just decide, screw it, let's rebuild, let's rip the bandaid off. In football, nobody really makes that decision. We're going to try it anyways, because we only have, you know, we only have 17 games. Who knows what can break our way? And that's absolutely true. But man, I don't know what, what's going on with the Vikings. I don't know what situation there. And I could see them winning you know, 11 games. I could see them winning eight games. I don't see them being able to draft their next quarterback. And I don't see them contending. And maybe that's a bad place to be. I'm not sure. Maybe they win the division and make me look stupid. I don't know. Let's talk more about the Brewers. Back after this. <laughs> kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm prepping for my fantasy football draft tonight. It's at 7.30. I'm the commissioner. I take this league very seriously. Because as a commissioner, you can't be the worst one in the league. I don't have to win, but I can't be a joke. Because I need my league members to respect me. So I'm pulling out all the stops today. I've been reading draft guides. I've been doing mock drafts. I have a whiteboard. I even popped a couple pills of Invermectin just to make sure I'm ready for anything. <laughs> okay. I had to. I had I had to work that joke in at some point during the show. Wasn't up to me. I need some help from you. Uh, the other day, Richie and Eau Claire texted in and was like, Hey, Grant, I, you're talking about exit velocity. Uh, the numbers you're looking for are in this article by this author. And it was a Will Salmon piece. And, you know, Richie helped me out, helped me produce the show a little bit. I'm calling on you to help me produce uh, just one little part of the show. We're going to talk to Mike Clemens at 535. 
and Mike and I, sometimes we have a tendency to get long-winded. Like, hey, let's meet at the bar for one drink, and that turns into three hours. That's me and Mike on this show. So I want to make sure that when we start talking to Mike, we're not already behind. So we need to take our bottom-of-the-hour break at, like, 529. So 529 rolls around, and I haven't gone to break. You need to get on me, okay? Please watch a clock. I'm asking for your help. You, you're responsible for making sure we stay on schedule, okay? Bill Michaels has a cast of thousands. I need thousands of producers keeping an eye on making sure we get to Mike on time. Otherwise, things are going to fall apart and we'll be way off schedule. It'll be a mess. So please keep your eye on the clock. I need you here. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I am the host. Um, sometimes I am the producer, although, like I said today, I need a little help. You're welcome to join. Be a part of the show. 608-796-2558. The talk and text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I tweeted a couple of minutes ago. I want to go ice fishing with Mike Zimmer. Like, there are people in sports that I want to meet. It's like, oh, it'd be cool to meet that person one day. Um, Like, I would love to meet Colin Cowherd. I would just love to pick the man's brain. I would love to have lunch with Colin Cowherd and be like, so what do you do in your day? Like, when you wake up to the point where your show starts, what do you do? You you talk for three hours a day. That's your job. But, like, how do you get ready? How do you prep? How do you come up with ideas? I think that'd be really fascinating. I, I honestly, like, my dream... My dreams related to work. It's not meeting professional athletes. Like, it would be cool to meet Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know what I would say to him. Like, two weekends ago, I stayed in Milwaukee for a night. And in our hotel was James Jones and Donald Driver. I shared a hotel, an an elevator with James Jones. And I could have said something to him easily, and I didn't. It's just like, all right, that's cool. It's James Jones. It's not really my thing. I would rather meet journalists. I would talk about uh, radio hosts like Colin Coward. I would love to meet Mike Zimmer. Oh, my God. I would love to ask him so many questions. I would love to be sitting in an ice shack with Mike Zimmer, with the heater on, and we're jigging. But, like, we also have tip-ups set out, and I, Mike Zimmer strikes me as somebody who has, like, a special method on setting up tip-ups, and he, I was like, wow, Mike, this is creative. Oh, he's like, I developed this system a long time ago. See, you want to hook the minnow in this way. Like, I, I would love to go ice fishing with Mike Zimmer. That's one of my biggest career goals, dreams. I just want to go ice fishing with him. One day, I'm going to make it happen. It might take 10, 15 years, but I'm going to... Make it happen. We can go on a lake in the Twin Cities. It'll be a good time. So if you want that content and more, Wisco Grant on Twitter. I want to talk about the Brewers for a couple of minutes before getting back into the Packers. Yesterday's show was such a mad dash. I feel like we had all of these topics that we barely touched on and we didn't get a chance to dig deep into. Like Corbin Burns, great game. Maybe Cy Young. Oh, but David Bakhtiari is on the PUP list. We got to talk about that. So we didn't really have a ton of time to talk about Corbin Burns. Oh, punter, J.K. Scott is gone. Oh, my God. What? A, oh, but Cam Newton got cut. That's more interesting. Let's talk about that. So we had all of these things, and oh, that happened, but we didn't have time to dig into it. Yesterday's show, the analogy I used to start the show an hour ago, it's like a lush forest, right? Trees everywhere, lots of trees. And we didn't take time to appreciate the individual trees in this lush forest, right? The expression, uh, missing the forest for the trees, is it flip it, right? We, yesterday, we missed the trees for the forest. We were, we were staring at the big picture, the 53-man roster, that we didn't take time to stop and, and look at the individual, the specific things. And I think a tree that we passed by very quickly yesterday that I wanted to get back into and talk about today because I think it's really important, the mindset of the Brewers, how they're thinking, what they're believing, what they're telling themselves, what they're saying. I thought more about this last night, a game in which the Brewers won 6-2, It's a game that we've seen 100 times this year. Starting pitching was great. Offense was good enough. Bullpen held it down. We've seen that game before. I don't need to explain why, ooh, see, the Brandon Woodruff was good in these innings, and the offense showed up, and blah, blah, blah. You you get it. 
We've seen this game before. That was a very 2021 Milwaukee Brewers game. Big picture, I was watching the game last night trying to pick out the mindset of the Brewers and what they're thinking right now. Because if you go back to the trade deadline, remember what David Stern said at the trade deadline? He did not say, we traded for Eduardo Escobar because we wanted to win the division. We want to make sure we keep pace with the Reds. We want to keep up with the Joneses. What he said was, we're thinking about October. We're thinking about the postseason. And we want redundancies. We want extra bats on the roster. We don't need Escobar. We have Urias, who's been pretty good at third. And, you know, Rowdy Telez, I don't think he was at first base at the time. I think they got him after the fact. Or I have this backwards. No, that would have been before the trade deadline. You, you get my point. They didn't need Eduardo Escobar. It's not like they would have sank and gone down in flames without him, but they got him anyways. And then Craig Council talked about it, said much of the same. He's like, hey, the best teams in the postseason, deep rosters, options in the playoffs. We want as many options as possible. So for months now, the Brewers have been thinking and organizing their roster and playing with the mindset of winning in October. Two nights ago, Corbin Burns won, takes the podium after the game or the proverbial podium in the Zoom room. And says, hey, we could see this team again in the postseason. This felt like a playoff series. Corbin, it, it looked like on both sides, a lot of tense at bats, both your hitters, your, you know, you, you facing their hitters. It's, I mean, you guys have only played them four times, but they've been really good games, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, they played us tough in, in Milwaukee. Um, and we were a little shorthanded with our with our bullpen that series. So um, you know, obviously it's good to come out and get a you know get a win the game one tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely a, you know, playoff atmosphere and something that, you know, could be for, you know, foreshadowing what we might see in the, in the postseason. So Corbin Burns talking about, oh, this might be a playoff preview. Well, the Brewers haven't locked up a playoff spot yet. Now they're going to, right? It's like a 99% chance, but they're thinking months ahead, streets ahead to quote Pierce from community, Chevy Chase's character streets ahead, baby. It's going to catch on, right? It's a little thing. It's a tiny little thing that, that's been happening in press conferences, but I think it's significant, and Brandon Woodruff echoed that sentiment last night. I think we're kind of in the mode now. It's it's uh, it's getting into September now, and, you know, this is this is when we we don't need to slack up. We need to start playing good baseball, and I think we're getting off on the right foot. And anytime you come in here and play the Giants, man, they're, they're such a, a tough team to beat. And, I mean, you see it right there. Even late in the game, they try to put, they, they try to put some pressure on you. And even though we had a 6-1 to lead and – yeah, I mean, just a, a a a really good baseball team, and hopefully we see these guys later in, in October. Now, his voice is really folksy, and Brandon Woodruff seems like such a nice guy, but don't mishear him. It's not mince words. They're thinking about October, baby. They have a championship mindset, a playoff mindset. They're talking about it. They're thinking about it, visualizing it, breathing it. They're living it. They're going to speak it into existence. They're not lying to themselves. They're not in denial about how good they are. They understand it. And yeah, they got to take care of business. They've already won two of four against the Giants. They're going to have to clean up against the Cardinals. They have a series with the Dodgers that might be really important at the end of the year. But big picture, this team's won the division before in the last couple of years. They've made the playoffs a couple of years running. This is the year where we go farther. They're thinking about October. And I think sometimes, in comparison, the Packers have built and, and thought of themselves as an August, October, September team. Oh, yeah, we can stack up yards with MVS and Lazard, and, and I like those guys. I'm not hating on those guys, but come January, right, do you have Antonio Brown at the back end of your receiving room? I hate Antonio Brown, right? Do you have Mike Evans? Do you have Chris Godwin? Did you bring in an extra tight end? Did you add redundancies? And I'm not talking about a 50-year-old Jermon Williams. Did you trade for Desmond King? Did you, did you trade for Patrick Peterson? Did you get 
that extra guy who you might need when you get to the last game of the postseason. The Brewers are thinking about the last game in the postseason. The Packers, not always. They're not always there. This Brewers team is cocky. I don't think, to be honest, that this Brewers team fears or respects anyone in the National League except for maybe the Dodgers. Brandon Woodruff had a comment after the game last night that really jumped out to me. This is 27 seconds long, and there's about a three or four second moment in here where I'm like, ooh, was that was that something? Listen and see if you can pick it out. That's the whole name of the game is is get ahead one, get to your spots, and just try to get some and do some weak contact. And was able to work out a couple jams there, and you know we had a good game plan coming in with with Omar and was able to execute it for the most part. And it was just a, a great team win. Coming in here and winning, winning the first two is is huge against uh, um, essentially the best team in baseball with oh. the best record. So what was that? Um, two, two great team wins, is that's awesome. He called them essentially the best team in baseball. I guess they have the best record. And I know he's got this folksy Southern delivery, but I, I think there was something there where he's like, yeah, I guess maybe they're the best team in the NL. Like, I guess they have the best record, but. That's scared of these guys. You tell me Brandon Woodruff's scared of Alex Dickerson or Wilmer Flores. Buster Posby, Posby, Buster Posey might be their best player, probably not now, but best over the course of his career And we look back at all these guys. Got dogged walked the last two nights by Woodruff and Burns, and even Cousins came in, made him look silly. He has five strikeouts in these first two games. I like Brian, I like Crawford, but I'll take Avi Garcia, Adamas, Escobar, Yelich, Wong. I'll take my rotation, I'll take my bullpen. I don't think the Brewers are afraid of the Giants at all. I, I think they, I, I don't think Brandon Woodruff and these guys fear the Giants. Now, we'll see what happens with Brett Anderson tonight, but this Brewers team's feeling cocky, and they should. They're really, really, really good. 608-796-2558. Richie in Eau Claire. Richie, are you, you picking up what I'm laying down? You, you smelling what I'm cooking? Do you, do you agree with anything most I'm saying? Definitely. Okay, okay. Yeah, I most definitely do. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's a strange place to be as a Brewers fan, but I'm kind of starting to feel it myself and yeah. maybe feeling a little cocky myself, you know, like thinking about uh, uh, these next two games. I mean, my, my outlook on it is, all right, we'll get four or five innings out of Brett Anderson, and then he'll get hurt. So then our well-rested bullpen will come in and finish the rest of the game. And yeah. we'll, you know, so I still think we have a great chance to win this one. Eric Lauer has been pitching his best baseball against the National League West. So I'm not too uh, worried about the next two. And even if we drop two, we split a series against the Giants. And then, you know, that gives the Giants two games that they still won. So they're going to keep their lead over the Dodgers, which I'd prefer. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I tweeted about this today, Richie. And I want to pull up the probables for the next two games. I tweeted about this today. I was like, the Brewers are cocky. They're not scared. I don't think they fear the Giants. Right. And, and I had someone tweet back at me. It's like, well, th- those were their best two starters going the last two nights. Right. So you have to factor that in. Right. But in the postseason, those are the guys we're going to see. And I think the last two nights were such a great example of how a, pl- a potential playoff series could start. If that's what it looks like, man, man, that's exactly what the Brewers want. Burns and Woodruff were great. The offense did just enough. I thought those two games were perfect examples. And then mix Peralta in too. OK, well, I can live with one game of Brett Anderson or Eric Lauer. I want to pay attention and focus on these last two nights. Right. Well, right. And, and I mean, you know, you look at that, too. And, you know, it's obviously nice to have the run support that to, to give to those two big name starters like that. Yeah. But it's not like they won those games six to five and Burns gave up three runs and Woodruff gave up four runs. No, those two were dominant against a very good lineup. 
that's the part that I take more out of that than versus, you know, who they started as a pitcher. Yeah, well, and they had all of their pitches working, and they had a great plan in conjunction with Pena and Narvaez. Like, it just worked. If the Brewers had a formula to win playoff games, that was it, and it worked great for two games against the Giants. Now we'll see what Brett, Brett, Brett Anderson's do for a good start, right? Don't you think? Like, he's got to have one in him where he goes more than four innings. Well, that's the thing, though, is you look at his starts, and, and he hasn't had a lot, whole lot of bad starts. It's just that he goes four innings, and then he gets a <laughs> blister on his big left toe or, or you know, oh, gee, I tripped coming off the mound going to cover first base. But I, if you look at his stats, his actual pitching stats, the guy is doing a really admirable job, admirable job for mm-hmm. what you would expect out of a fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think sometimes the presentation of it is a little weird. Like after the last game, he's like, yeah, I kind of got – I kind of got hurt on a weird play there. It's like, wait, that was a routine grounder to first, man. What do you mean a What do you mean a weird play? Like, I do find Brett Anderson <laughs> funny. I find him funnier when when they're winning. I think that's the, the right. sticking point right. for me. Yeah. Well, but um, again, back to back yeah, to ahead. my point when we when I first when I first called though is I mean, even if that does happen tonight, yeah. the way that Burns and Woodruff pitched in the first two games, now we have a really well rested bullpen, so they can cover the last five six innings of this game if that does happen again. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's huge that they didn't use Boxberger, Williams, or Hader last night, and that gives them a little more wiggle room with two inferior starters. And I don't say that is huge just to Anderson and Lauer, but they're not Burns and Woodruff for sure. Well, I, I gotta kind of hustle because we gotta get to Mike Clements at five thirty. Richie, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you called in, and and I'm glad I'm seemingly not way off base about how I feel about the Brewers right now. Absolutely not. And like I said, it's a weird thing as a Brewers fan, but I'm starting to feel cocky too. Yeah, it's weird, man. Thanks for the call. Have a good night. You bet. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Richie in Eau Claire. Okay, I'm glad I'm, glad I'm not the only one because it's so weird. It's like, Brewers fans, you should be cocky right now. This team's really good. And I don't, I don't mean cocky in like a talk smack to other teams way. I mean cocky as in you should allow yourself to think about October. And you should allow yourself to think, how do we stack up with the Dodgers? How do we stack up with the Giants? Because in years past... Right, Brewers fans would think, well, we got to wait until we close out the division. We got to, you know, talk about magic numbers. We got to wait until we're clinched. No, 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 no. I, I don't think so this year. We've seen this the last couple of years. 2018, they won the division. 2019, they were a wild card. Last year, they snuck in. This is the best version of the Brewers we've seen during this little mini run, this Craig Council, David Stearns era, which I think, when all is said and done, is going to be probably the golden age of Brewers baseball, which I said before the year, and we can revisit that maybe in the offseason especially if they win a World Series or make it all the way. That'd be a really awesome talking point to have. I I just think, don't worry about the Reds. Don't worry about the Cardinals. Don't worry about some bad team from the NL East. Don't worry about the wild cards. Think about the Dodgers. Think about the Giants. Think about the Padres. Think about October in the World Series because that's how good this team is. not saying cocky as in like, hey, screw you, middle finger Cubs fans guy. No, no, no. But think of yourself like a big boy contending baseball team because that's what the Brewers are. Let's take a break. Couple of minutes I want to talk about the Packers, couple of texts to get to, and J.K. Scott got cut because he sucks, but I think there's something else at play too, and it's honestly um, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I think it's funny. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show rolling on the dulcet tones and the slice of home storytelling of Mike Clemens coming up in about 15 minutes. We're going to get in. We're going to get out. This segment, I always go long and we can't do it today. Otherwise, we're going to go long with Mike and then we're going to run out of time and it, it throws everything out of whack. It throws everything out of whack. 
So keep me honest here. Keep an eye on the clock. We're going to break at 29. Gives us seven minutes. Couple of texts. 608-796-2558. Bob says the injury to Irv Smith is going to hurt the Vikings badly. They have a good running back and two good wideouts, but with Cousins calling an audible line with his curly voice, the only receiver that could have heard him would have been Smith. Ah, because he would have been lined up in line. I just really like Irv Smith. I think he's explosive. I think he's dynamic and he can create big plays. And you just need guys like that on your team. So losing a guy like that stinks. Mike Zimmer said a couple of months ago that Smith wasn't going to have an expanded role in the offense, which I found kind of weird. But then again, with the dynamic big play creating guy, maybe you don't need to scheme things for him. You just get him the ball and let him do his thing. So maybe that's what Zimmer meant. I don't know. I like Tyler Conklin, but yeah, Irv Smith was a breakout candidate for sure. I, I don't think it helps the Vikings. I don't know how much it hurts him, but it certainly doesn't help. Mad Mike says, Grant, like in any sport, athletes need to learn how to win, and that comes through growing through the losses. It's what separates the good teams from the great ones. Thank you, Mike, for the text. I agree. That's what happened with the Bucks, right? Make the Eastern Conference Finals, fail. Come back, fail. Get better, come back, win. That's what Michael Jordan did, and I think that's why we love Michael Jordan is because he failed for a few years before finally breaking through, and we like somebody who overcomes adversity, and sometimes that's where the NBA loses me now. It's like, well, you have two bad years, like the Chris Paul, James Harden Rockets, and, oh, you got to break it up. You got to break it up. Well, no, tweak the roster, come back, wait for things to line up. What happened for the Bucs this year? Things lined up. The Nets had some injuries. The Sixers fell early, and the Bucs were there to take advantage because they got better, because they were seasoned, but also because they added Drew Holiday, right? There's something about coming back and trying again, and what I'm assuming you're referencing, Mike, is the Brewers. The Brewers have come close. They've failed. They've had heartbreaking losses. They've gotten close, and this year, hopefully, they follow that Bucks model. Um, Binksy says, <laughs> well said, take care of the NL West. Yeah, Eric Lauer's been beast against the NL West. He'll go tomorrow, Brett Anderson tonight. One thing I want to talk about real quick, J.K. Scott got cut because he was bad. Um, but I think there's another reason that maybe he got cut, and I mentioned this earlier in the show. The NFL's in an interesting place right now because there's a new factor at play. There's vaccination status. And the NFL says we're not cutting guys due to that. Or at least we're not supposed to say it out loud. Urban Meyer did. What a dope. Right? Belichick, I'm assuming that's a part of the reason they got rid of Cam, but obviously they're not going to admit to that. I think there are factors beyond performance that sometimes lead one player to make a roster and another not. Vaccination being one. Also, the ability to stay healthy. Work ethic. Knowledge of the playbook. These are some of the things that Jay Sternberger hasn't been great with, which doesn't bode him uh, bode well for him. Once he's back off of his suspension, another reason, like if you're getting suspended, another reason why you might, might, might not make the roster. I think Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds cut J.K. Scott because he stunk, but also because he wouldn't drink any water. Listen to this. No, Mason did a nice job in there. Punting, uh, filling in. So J.K. just had, he had, he had some cramps going on in his leg, and uh, it, was, it was pretty hot out there today. So um, I do think it's a good lesson for our guys of just making sure that they stay properly hydrated so we don't have a situation like that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait wait, 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 Now, I am all about making a mistake and learning from said mistake. This is how we get better. Mad Mike said that. We know that, right? That's why everybody apparently loves Zach Wilson on the Jets because he doesn't make the same mistake twice. That's what Aaron Rodgers said about the Packers' new center, Josh Myers. All right, you can make a mistake, learn from it, don't make it again. I am Mr. Make Mistakes. I love making mistakes. One of my favorite things to do. I'm a mess. I'm constantly messing up. But ideally, you make a mistake and then you learn from it and you become better and you don't make that mistake again. Of all of the mistakes in the world to make for a professional athlete, 
right? Uh, messing up the play. Oh, whoops, I thought I was supposed to be here. I was there, right? Uh, not substituting in at the right time, messing up the snap count, not snapping the ball when you're supposed to or snapping the ball when you're not supposed to. A lot of mistakes that a professional football player could make, and I would understand. Not drinking water. I don't know if that's a lesson that needs to be learned by a professional punter who's 25 years old. Like, it was really hot out here today. It's just a good lesson for our players to drink water. What do you mean? The skill that you learn in middle school? I remember being taught, because I ran track and cross country, and every coach is like, hey, days we have meat, like, take a water bottle to and from classrooms. Because when I was little in elementary school and middle school, that like, that wasn't the norm. Now you go into high schools and, and universities and maybe even middle schools, like, a lot of people have a water bottle. They just carry it with them. It's nice. That didn't used to be a thing, I think, when I was younger, and it's become more of the norm. wasn't always, but I remember that's what we learned through sports. Oh, it's game day. Have a water bottle. I learned that when I was 12. J.K. Scott's punting in the NFL. It's like, dude, you're garbage. You're not good. You're on this roster because you were a fifth-round pick, and because, to be quite honest, there might not be a better option. The Packers found one and took it quickly with the guy they signed from the Rams or traded from with the Rams. You need to learn the lesson of drinking water when it's warm outside. Then you're a dumbass. Like, I, sorry. I, for a dude who's working so, so hard to make an NFL roster and has everything working against him and needs to do everything right, forgetting to drink water, not an issue that should exist. Not a lesson that should be learned. Not a problem that should be had. Just have a water bottle. There. Problem is solved. And Matt LaFleur has a nice smile, and he seems like a really nice guy, and I'm sure he is, but, oh, the dude forgot a water bottle today? Okay, well, we're cutting him. Goodbye. Sorry. I think that was a big part of it, honestly. I think that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. Let's take a break. Maybe Mike Clemens will agree. We're going to talk to him coming up next about the Packers' recent 53-man roster. Could change, but we have the first version. Who's on the practice squad? And we can start to look ahead to week one as well. We'll get connected with Mike Clements, our Green and Gold Insider, coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, first, our thoughts are, are with everybody in New Orleans. That's a, that's a bad deal that they're going through. So we'll adjust. And yeah, there are some adjustments in terms of there's some positives that it probably won't be quite as loud, but. The negative is it's it's hard to simulate that kind of heat. So our guys are going to have to do a great job of hydrating and you know taking care of their bodies all week. That's the voice of Packers coach Matt Lafleur. Obviously, I just think it's so funny that they kind of cut J.K. Scott for not being a great punter, but also probably being frustrated that he didn't drink enough water. He's cramping up last weekend. And now they got to go play in Jacksonville. So Matt LaFleur can keep banging that drum like, yeah, drink your water. Please, God, just so simple. Own a water bottle. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I just ran to the water fountain to get some water. So no cramps. No cramping should be an issue. And even if it does become an issue, I have uh, reinforcements. Mike Clements is on the phone, our insider for the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Mike, how are you today? I'm sure yesterday was exhausting trying to keep up with all the cuts and all the changes. Um, it was, except, um, you know, most of them come around. It's like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah. And, and you know, KB and Ento is cut, but then he's back on the practice squad today and Ennis Gaines. And so they got most of the guys on that they want to. Reggie Begleton did not make it. Dexter Williams was cut. Um, I I just thought they're, they're 
too deep, and Patrick Taylor's a better guy. So he's on the practice squad, and Dexter Williams now, after two years in Green Bay, is off headed to New York to join the Giants practice squad. So, you know, really the, the only thing that surprised me the most was not that they found another kicker, another punter somewhere mm-hmm. in the NFL, but that they traded to get that. That's what made the difference. Oh, well, he's doing this for the trade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had a pretty serious move for the Packers to uh, pull off and getting a, a new kicker in this Corey Borquez, yeah. uh, who you know kicked a 74-yarder last year for the Bills and just seems to have his head a little bit more in the game than old J.K. Scott. Yeah, well, hopefully he owns a water bottle, which I didn't think would be a problem, but I guess professional athletes, Mike, they're just like you and me. Maybe they are mortal, and maybe he forgot his forgot his Nalgene or whatever. I don't know. It, yeah. I can tell you four or five J.K. Scott stories. Really? Like that. Yeah. Do you huh. remember that the game that they ended up losing in Indianapolis, he didn't make the team flight Saturday morning? Oh, yeah. And it might have, yeah, I remember. It might have been personal. You know, it might have been having to do with the wife, and I know that they're having children. Now, he did make it to the game the next day, but these kinds of things just seem to keep happening with him. And I told you, uh, or at least I was telling Bill Michaels about, one day we were at practice this, uh, this, this past month, and uh, when guys are supposed to be on the field and kind of focused on the next team drill, he's kind of like a 12-year-old kid jumping up and down across the field, not near the stands where the fans were, but, you know, 55, 60 yards away, jumping up and down, yelling and screaming and whistling and trying to get the attention of some loved one up in the stands. Hmm. You don't do that on an NFL field. You just don't. So it's just little things like that you see all the time from him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers flat out called him, different in a press conference one time about a year ago see this is why i like having you on mike is because i hear one tiny little thing in a presser and i try to make it into a big deal and like i don't think it's a hot take i'm just maybe reaching a little bit and then i have you on and you're like oh yeah i could give you a million examples i could i could do all this so we gotta it's good we have synergy here because you're giving me ammo and and backing me up because sometimes i'm not at practice i'm not at camp i don't i don't see these things so it's good to know that i'm not completely off base with jk scott it's just weird for a punter who's not really that good, or he hadn't been that good. That's a guy who needs to have every I dotted and T crossed, you know, and it just seems that cramping during a game in, in August, like that's something he's got to have a handle on. I don't know. That just makes me laugh. Or in good weather conditions, having a punt that only went 21 yards. Yeah. It's one thing Another to do that in November, out, but yeah. you got to at least look good in August, right? Like, yeah, I, don't, right. I don't know. Right. It's whack. Well, I see that we were going to hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur about Zedarius Smith and Chauncey Rivers and Jack Heflin, who's a really cool story. I'm also glad that we agree, by the way, that none of the cuts were that shocking yesterday. I didn't think they did anything that crazy. I got that a couple of questions from listeners like, oh, what was the craziest cut? What was the craziest thing? And I'm like, I don't know if anything's that surprising. I think this all lines up pretty well. Maybe the most concerning thing is that Zedarius Smith hasn't played yet. Maybe that's what's worrying me. And I know Matt LaFleur talked about that. No, and maybe that story should have gotten more time yeah. uh, during training camp than the Jordan Love watch because if everything works out, you're not going to hear about Jordan Love except a victory formation exactly. for the rest of the season, whereas Darius Smith is key to running your defense. I mean, you talk to opposing offenses, and they start their game plan against going Darius Smith. So he only practiced one day about two and a half weeks ago on a Monday, and then the next day, it was described as a setback. It's a, it's a back injury. Mm. It's not a contract thing. 
And, uh, you know, so today it was time for an update, and we asked Matt LaFleur, is Zadarius Smith any closer to getting back on the practice field? I'd say he's he's up in the air. But he is Ooh. getting better on like a daily that. basis, and he's really putting the time in. And I know our, I trust our training group, uh, Flea and those guys, are, are doing an outstanding job with him. And I think Z, he wants to he wants to be out there. And so we're optimistic that potentially that he'll he'll be back out there sooner than later. Oh, I hated every word of that. I'm not going to lie. None of that made me feel good at all. Not a single word. No, and when you talk about that outside linebacker position. So it'll be Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. Um, and then, you know, you lost Randy Rambo Ramsey uh, about the second week of camp with what looked like an ankle later turned out to be a foot injury, season-ending IR. Uh, and then this Jonathan Garvin came on, and he'll play some special teams and be a backup and maybe certain packages on defense and outside linebacker. So of all these other guys that they pick, they take this Chauncey Rivers guy who – uh, went to uh, a high school just outside of Stone Mountain, Georgia, that big mountain on the north side of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then he went uh, to, uh, he had a chance to go to Georgia. He got arrested three times for pot. So then he was on that show, uh, it was called Last Chance You. It was on Netflix, where he went to this junior college and uh, got out of that, went to Mississippi State. Well, Preston Smith went to the exact same high school and in Mississippi State as this guy. So when Chauncey Rivers got cut by the Ravens, the Packers picked him up the next day on waivers and brought him in. Mike Smith, the outside linebacker coach who used to be with the Ravens and the Jets, coached him up, and this guy managed to to win a roster spot yesterday. And, uh, you know, he was asked today, when you first came in the building, you know, what did you say to Preston Smith? And he said, Preston started to laugh like, oh, my God, you know, because he knew the kid from his high school and from Mississippi State. So uh, we asked Chauncey Rivers, how much did having Mike Smith as your outside linebacker coach, a, a really high-energy guy, factor into you making the roster this week? I love Mike Smith. He's done a number on me since I got here. Uh, just helping me with techniques, helping me with little tweaks in my game where I can get better at and obviously it just, it's, it's been helpful, I mean, because I've displayed my talent and I've made plays. So, I mean, it's, he has a good coaching technique. He has, and he has coached a lot of great players. So, I mean, when you, when you get a guy like that who can coach you up and give you the knowledge and show you how to do it and what you're doing and why you're doing it, you just got to listen and take it all in and just show it on the field. I like hearing that positional coaches have a positive impact. I'm also thinking that if Zadarius Smith is going to miss time, which based on that answer seems like a certainty, Zedaria Smith is so versatile. He does all these different things where hopefully Chauncey Rivers can do one of those things well, right? If it's edge rushing or if they can move him inside, like there should be many different opportunities for him to make an impact because Zedaria Smith does so many different things, right? That's got to be a good opportunity for him. And Grant, the difference between last year's Packers and the Bucks was that Bucks defensive line. Mm-hmm. Vida Vida, along with Sue, along with JPP, these veteran guys that just beat the hell out of offensive lines. Beat up uh, a Packers team that was short a tackle, beat up a Chiefs team in the Super Bowl that was short at both tackles, and ended up getting the ball back to Tom Brady and keeping those offenses off the field and winning a Super Bowl with that. After Kenny Clark, I don't see any stars. And even the money they've invested in Dean Lowry, the stars are supposed to be those two Smith brothers. And that's where your rush comes from, but you're still not... You don't have. You need at least one more big guy to be beating up these offenses. 
Now they're hoping that this rookie, T.J. Slayton, can help out in that role. So this Jack Heflin kid comes in. He's number 90. Now, he went to – he grew up in Prophetstown, Illinois. Do you know who else is from that little town mm-hmm. of 2000 in northwestern Illinois? I do not. Your Brett Bielema. Really? Yeah, the new head coach of the Fighting Illini who beats Nebraska over the weekend. Something in the so water. So he comes from the same high school. He comes from a poor family. He talked about his, his, uh, his mom struggling and stepfather and how much this is all on him. And the Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach of the Packers, gave him the call yesterday to let him know he'd actually made the roster. You know, your phone starts ringing on cutdown day, and you think it's going to be bad news. Mm-hmm. And so this Jack Heflin, number 90, you've seen his energy in the second half of these preseason games, talked about what it's been like this camp, going up alongside guys like Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. Those are both guys from the Illinois area uh, and making this team. Everyone knows the four older guys. And like they set the standard, and like for me, just to be able to watch them work, Coach Montgomery did a great job. Like I have it like breaking down the film for us. So it's really for me, it's I, I know I have the ability to play good ball, and it's just believing in myself, and that's what Coach Montgomery told me. And I just went out there, and I'm I just like I'm gonna have no fear of failure. Like this is the key that we're getting. I'm just gonna go out, play as hard as I can, trust it, and then if they they break a tendency, it got to play play off it, but. Yeah, I just went out there and just just went for it because not too many people from my hometown, like I said before, get this opportunity. So it's like I, I got a lot of people counting on me, and I got a lot of people that I, I don't want to screw this up for them because everyone's riding on my back for this. This is a very cool story. I'm not denying that, and I love that he's got the hometown connection, and, and, and that's great. Can you convince me as to maybe why this guy – will be any better than Lancaster or Lowry? Is, is he just going to be another depth piece? Like, Because I I think that's been their problem, is they've had Kenny Clark and then a bunch of guys, and Lowry and Lancaster have, have been in that category. Is this guy going to be much of the same, or do you think he has higher upside? No. I mean, let's be fair. These, these, these last <laughs> two guys we just heard from could probably be inactive in the Saints game yeah. with a healthy roster. Um, we know that you know you go through 60, 75 players through the course of a season. Mm-hmm. So when, if one or two guys go down, if Kenny Clark goes down with a groin injury again, like last year, that's when this guy gets his shot and starts to play in these games. Just like Tyler Lancaster, almost two or three years ago in a game against the Rams when he flashed. It's just he's he's got his foot in the door now. He's got his opportunity. How much can he grow over the next year and hang on to that spot? And while these two guys could be gone, too, just as soon as something else changes on that roster because, you know, Brian Gutekunst is always churning the roster. Yeah. And that's – look, I'm not trying to downplay the story. I think the problem on the D-line is they've had Kenny Clark and then a bunch of guys who are pretty good or are okay. You know, maybe T.J. Slayton can be that next-level guy. I'm not sure. But I do like the description. What Some scout called him a trash can full of dirt. All right, I can, I can get behind yeah. that guy. I can cheer for a guy like well, that. <laughs> if you and I were producing hard knocks, these are the kinds of guys that they follow. Like yeah. This is just amazing that these guys actually made the cut. They're not draft picks. Uh, you know, the, the, how they got in through the back door and were out there for three or four weeks, you know, not a whole year or not last year's practice squad, and they actually made the 53 within a month. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's a cool story. It's a, it's a cool story. And part of, like, this time of year for football is, is cool stories. So that's a big focus on, I think, who we talk about and, and what we talk about this time of year. We're talking with Mike Clements, our Green and Gold Insider. I see we have two cuts, both from Gudikins, And I know one of these questions, it's a question that you asked him. 
because I watched this presser earlier today and I heard, all right, there's our guy. And I liked your question quite a bit. I think it's the one that we're going to get to next, correct? No, actually, the first one was asked ah. by uh, Aaron from Aaron Negley because, you know, these guys are looking for clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's <laughs> this big of a story anymore because I'm watching Goody talking with Aaron Rodgers every day, laughing, joking, whatever. Um, and, and we could, obviously that topic can go on for three hours. Mm-hmm. But Brian Goody couldn't say today, hey, okay, so did you give Aaron Rodgers a heads up on where you were going <laughs> this year when it came to roster cuts? You know, I, I've had really good conversations throughout camp uh, with Aaron and Matt, and, and I think the communication has been really, really good. And so if, as we went into this um, kind of decision-making period, I think uh, – you know, everybody, the, all the people that are kind of involved in that were um, very aware of what was going on and why we were doing what we were doing. So I feel really good about that. And um, the conversations that I've had with Aaron have been excellent. Do you think Rogers and Gudikins are compensating a little bit? Because, you know, like if you go through a breakup with someone or you're fighting with a friend, like you're, you're almost extra nice to them after the fact. It's like, well, OK, I, I was a jerk or we were jerks. Like now we're going to be extra smiley. We're going to be extra friendly. Do you think that's what's going on or do you think it's just about we're back at work now? We have games to focus on so we can set all that that drama to the side. I think Aaron Rodgers lost to Tom Brady and said, I don't want to get on this merry ground again. And he seriously had hoped maybe he just could get traded and try it someplace else. And when that didn't happen and he changed his mind, he settled down, he saw what else was going on, and, of course, the team was flying out there and talking to him in L.A., he said, okay, I'll, I'll commit, I'll come in. And now he's focused on this team and this last dance and, and all that. But the other question, the more serious question to me is this, Grant, mm-hmm. is that, okay, this organization has gone through all this change. After Ted Thompson and, and, and firing Mike McCarthy and restructuring who reports to whom, you know, the Mark Murphy's more in on the day-to-day and all this other stuff, and now the draft picks, and you get Aaron Rodgers back, and you shift money around to get Aaron Jones in, and all these moves you've made, and you've, you've gone – You've been to the step, one step away from the Super Bowl two years in a row. I asked Goody today, you're on your fourth year now. What have you done to improve the Packers? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough question because I've always kind of felt, you know, when Ted was here that, um, you know, we were doing a, a really good job. And uh, I think the one thing that I've always kind of, well, whether it was when I was working for Ted or the way we do things now, and this goes not just within the personnel staff but or the coaching staff, but throughout the building. I think it's – Mark does a really good job of kind of setting this tone that there's no complacency. You know what I mean? There's there's standards that we have, but there's no complacency. It's always looking to become better, looking at your processes each and every year, each and every day, um, if there's a way you can get better, if there's a way that uh, you can tweak things from a number of different areas. And um, – you know, it's, it's goes, it goes from things like, you know, Mike Halbach and his football technology staff and some of the things we're doing there, or Chris Carr and sports psychology and some of the things we're doing there. I think it's just a, a constant kind of thought of, okay, you know, let's look at everything. And you have some foundational principles you never really want to get away from. But if you can, if you can kind of continue to evolve and, and um, become better, then we're going we're gonna to try to do that. You know, Mike, Brian Gutekunst, uh uh, an alum of uh, my alma mater, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. We're not uh, a type of person to be complacent. You know, we're always striving for better. I think that's a big part of uh, of the way Brian Gudikins has operated too. Like I'm kidding a little bit, but uh, but yeah, UWL Eagles. We're just built a little different. What can I say? Hmm. But in all seriousness, what he's actually said there's we're now doing even more with GPS. 
yeah. to see how much energy these guys are putting on the practice field to try and help us when it comes to injuries. We're, we're even into the mind of the football player, the sports psychologist. We're, mm-hmm. we're going down that channel to build confidence in players and to have the, help them with their focus on what's really important. But at the end of the day, Goody, this guy is a really smart guy. He retains a lot of information, and he, and he disperses it in a very casual, laid-back way. But if you actually talk to him, it's like, I mean, he throws so much info at you in a second, in a minute. It's kind of hard to comprehend at times. At the same time, you can't be a robot. It's a people business, and you've got to reach out and make connections and, and have these guys play for you as well as a coach. And I think that's where Rodgers was coming from in the offseason. I think that was the, the much wiser and much more apt analysis, at least compared to, to what I had to say about that answer. Mike, before I let you go, one last thing I want to ask you. I see this quote. Rob Domofsky tweeted it out, and, and that's the, the tweet that's getting a little bit of traction. I saw Mike Silver of NFL Network just comment on it. Says that Jordan Love had a fantastic camp. Quote, we saw the things we needed to see. How do you read that? What does that mean to you? Oh, who and who's he quoting? Lafleur or Goody? Uh, Goodikins, excuse me. Yeah, he's quoting Goody. Yeah, um, that they've got enough to work with, and and at the end of the day, there's enough athleticism there. There's enough comprehension of the offense. He got all those snaps there. And you, the other thing is that where was he from OTAs to you know his half against the Bills? How much progress has he made? And if you go back and you look at the scores, the daily scores those scouts do, if the numbers keep on getting higher and higher and higher, then he's on the tra- trajectory that they had hoped for. And, of course, it's up to Jordan Love to figure out how to keep that rolling even while he's running the scout team the next 17 weeks. Yeah, I don't know if the majority of the national media and people in NFL circles will understand that that reasonable way that you just laid it out. I think a lot of people are going to see like, oh, so they're ready to move off of Rodgers at some point. But I think you had the, the much smarter, much more uh, perspective-filled I, analysis. I, it, I think so. He's, a, <laughs> he's going to be just fine by 2023. That's yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, I think so. They saw enough good things. They have something to work with. I, I would agree. No reason to panic. Mike, I appreciate you working around my schedule a little bit because with the Brewers, we're not going to have a show tomorrow. And I wanted to talk to you this week right after roster cut down. So thank you for joining the show. Anytime, Grant. I sure appreciate it. Take care. Appreciate you. That's Mike Clements, our green and gold insider. You Clem heads, we need to come up with a better name for the Mike Clements fan club. Some good stories like Heflin, but also some moments and, and some quotes about Rodgers and Jordan Love and the trajectory of the Packers. I'm worried about Zadarius Smith. Maybe we should talk about that to wrap up the show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.